0: Welcome back to I Am Not My Pain podcast.
1: Success is often defined as the ability to reach your goals in life, whatever those goals may be. These goals may formulate in your childhood and could include pursuing a career you're passionate about, having a nice home, or perhaps sharing your life with a loving partner. Our life becomes solely focused on obtaining those goals. When someone becomes chronically ill their goals can become extremely difficult to achieve, both physically and mentally. Their very identity and definition of success are upended, and the loss can hit hard. My incredible chronic illness warrior for today is Sama Khan. At 22, Sama was in her penultimate year of medical school when her mysterious and chronic symptoms started. As she would say, soon her symptoms progressed beyond tolerability due to the nature of her work. She was spending more time in the hospital as a patient than a medical student. She graduated, but her physical symptoms forced her to give up practicing medicine, her passion in life. Samah spent the following years searching for her diagnosis and managing her new reality. And although she had a medical degree, most doctors still dismissed her, However, with persistence, Sama finally received her answers and is now diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis, fibromyalgia, and joint hypermobile syndrome or Ehlers-Danlos. But to this day, doctors are unresolved on her conditions, leading her to suffer from improper management. After becoming chronically ill, Sama says redefining success for herself was instrumental in giving her life meaning and purpose and allowing her to move forward. Sama now works as a medical editor and writer, and one of her proudest accomplishments is a community she started on Facebook called Pick Sebi Because Sebi Picks You, where many chronically ill come for support and just a good laugh. Sama,
0: thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be doing this today.
1: Amazing. I, could you please share a little bit more of your story and kind of symptoms you currently manage?
0: Okay, absolutely. So a little bit about myself, I am 31 years old right now. And I've been battling chronic pain and illness now really for about eight years. And my earliest experience when I noticed something wrong was in my second last year of medical school when I Noticed that I had this constant lower back pain that would come in the way of basically everything. Eventually, it got progressively worse over time, and you know I stopped going to class. Mm. I couldn't attend my rotations, and it got in the way of my life and my education. Uh, I was in the ER a lot for flare-ups, and I was by my last year um, in in uh, medical school. I was in the, in the hospital more as a patient than I was as a medical student. Uh, I remember my uh, faculty advisor pulled me up and she asked me to take a year off and she said, listen you know you're missing a lot of days and also we're getting calls from from your supervisor saying that you're coming in in, in a lot of pain and in a lot of difficulty and it's really clear that you your liability on, on the hospital, because you are clearly not in any condition to come in and you're still coming in. So we need you to take a year off and figure out what's wrong with you and come back when you're in a better position to do so. And I remember I looked at her and I said, if you make me leave, I will not come back. I know that I will not get any better. So I will probably never finish this. So please let me just finish this because I thought that, you know, after having having done all these years to not be able to get my degree in the last year would have been a shame. Mm-hmm. So um, she said, okay, and she let me continue. And I did somehow get my degree, but it was, you know, it was, it was still a shame. And I was lucky because I had a certain level of access to healthcare while as a medical student, but it still didn't, get me any closer to a diagnosis at that at that point which is so strange and i had a lot of concerning symptoms early on like at one point i remember i lost bladder control so they were suspicious that I had a couple of things like, um, you know, they thought I had a spinal tumor and a couple of other really serious, you know, diseases. And once they ruled those things out, they quickly lost interest in you, which is the way things are with doctors. You know, once they rule out like the, you know, interesting or the serious things, and they get a lot of negative reports, that's it. You're you're no longer interesting. And I was just focused on trying to get that degree that I trying to get a diagnosis aside and just try to get the the degree. And I remember I just knew that finishing the medical degree was the goal. And I didn't really know where I was going from there after that. It just upended my five or 10-year plan (laughs) entirely.
1: Planet and everything
0: all of the entire plan because it was so when you know when you're in med school it's so easy you know you're going to be a doctor and that's it mm-hmm. that's your whole life sorted now that's it there's no life anymore all you have um is trying to figure out what's wrong with you and you still have family that thinks oh you know you'll figure out what's wrong with you and then you'll eventually go back into medicine or into practice but I knew even though you know my my education ha- hadn't taught us enough for me to know what this was. We had so little, you know, There, there's a lot of information about things like, you know, rheumatoid arthritis and all these like big ticket things, but there isn't much about the, the things they call functional disorders. For example, like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. And at that time, when they'd ruled all the other major things out, that's what they were kind of looking at. And once that's what they thought, that's what uh, they assumed I had, they were no longer interested in me. Uh, and they gave me, threw a couple of pills at me and basically hustled me out the door. I was left, you know, on my own. And I knew that there was no going back to that life and to medicine. It was an adjustment period. But uh, that's, uh, needless
1: to say, it had to be an adjustment period. I, I can
0: only imagine.
1: I mean, I know my life changed, but I didn't have this set goal of what I was going to do with my life. When I went to college, I was like, I'm going to figure it out in college. And of course, then I got sick, but you had that doctor, 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 especially all the doctors that I know. It's like that laser focus, like must be doctor. And it takes that to become a doctor. It really does. But I do want to pin because we are going to talk about it. Cause I know a lot of my listeners are going to be like, Oh, we have to talk about the fact that she has this medical degree. And, you know, what does she now think as a chronic illness patient? So we are going to pin that because it is coming. But I do want to ask, you know, before you got sick, obviously, what did you consider success for yourself? Obviously, being a doctor, but what else?
0: I think, you know, obviously, like I said, I had a very clear plan for myself, I was going to graduate, I was going to complete my internship. And then my cats and I were going to go to, you know, move to the UK, start the foundation program and go on to specialty training, which is a very clear track where it's like, okay, this many years for specialty and then this many years for this training. And it's it's a very set track. And I thought I was going to, you know, find my soulmate there and that's it, move on. That's my life. And I assumed I would get married by the time I was, 30 you know or before I was 30 and just have an easy comfortable life and that was what success was to me just you know you know how you have like this whole there's like a laundry list of things that you're told or that are almost ingrained into you Mm -hmm. you like media and pop culture and your family and you know your every everybody tells you that you know you're supposed to be you're, you're supposed to finish school, then you're supposed to go to college, and then you're supposed to get married, and then you're supposed to have kids, and then you're supposed to, you know, you have this entire thing, and that's exactly what it was, except that in my case, you know, it was just so clear where everything was going, and I even knew who the person was going to be, you know, what the person was going to be like, and where he was, and all these kind of things, and it was just all of it just disappeared, because suddenly I was I was kind of drowning and that wasn't success anymore because I had to consider that I was, oh, am I a failure now? Because all these things that were success to me are no longer an option. They're no longer available to me because through no fault of my own, I they're not accessible to me anymore. Um, and you know, through no fault of my own, because I did not ask to get a chronic illness, you know, I did not expect to get it. And none of us do. But unfortunately, it's just so hardwired into us, you know, which is, I a, a by, like I always say, a byproduct of like capitalism, where they just mm-hmm. kind of hardwire into us that this is like what you have to do. And this is what you have to be so that they keep us in the workforce and make us believe that unless we are working and you know, getting married and having children and then creating more people in the workforce, unless we're in this grind, we're not really successful. So I was sort of, you know, in that, in that exact zone Absolutely. until it was taken away. I think. Right.
1: And it's so hard. I mean, now you can probably say like, I didn't ask for this. I, you know, the chronic illness, you know, it's not my fault that these things were not accessible to me anymore. But at the time, I'm sure you were doing a lot of like, why can't I just, you know, push through this and get back to my life? Like, why can't I do it? Because we all go through that where we're just like, why can't I just do this? And what's wrong with me? And we do have people around us that do that too to us. You know, they're those like, well, why can't you just, you know, do a little bit of this or do a little, you know, and they don't get that that is just not something we are able to do anymore. But adjusting that mindset is so difficult. So, kind of, how did you start that process
0: of redefining success for yourself? So, I think, you know, for me, redefining success was a really gradual process. You know, first I had to grieve. So, first comes the grieving. So, you have to, you can't really start redefining anything until you properly grieved and let go of the things that are holding you back. So I had to grieve. I went through the five stages, you know, with the bargaining and, oh no, you know, is this really happening? And the, you know, the depression, the acceptance. And, and after I had gone through all the stages of grief, I had to close that door of my life and shut it completely. And now it's it's as if, you know, it's it's a distant memory to me, but I have properly closed that door. And it's in the past i've moved on from it um and then i had to learn to detach my self-worth from my productivity you know this was really something that was important because until you can really learn that your value is not attached to what you can you know um what you can produce or what you can contribute into the workforce you will never feel, you know, like you're enough, like you're doing enough, and people will always keep telling you, "Hey, you know, you you just push a little, push a little more, maybe if you did this many hours instead." And I still have friends tell me, "Hey, why don't you join Foundation Year at like forty percent or thirty percent minutes?" So I I just tell them like, "Don't you remember how it was when I was, you know, back in med school? Just like multiply that by maybe twenty now." I can't do it at any percent, you know, and it's so hard because, you know, they're trying to be helpful. The thing is, you have to detach that, that concept that your value is attached to your productivity or what you can give or, or produce into the world. Your value is inherent. So I really had to believe true into my soul, which, by the way, takes a very long time, that I was valuable just because I was you know, an inherent value for just existing, and I have to give myself a new purpose. And I think that's where, like, online communities really come into play, because for, especially for, like, uh, marginalized and disenfranchised groups, like people with disabilities, online communities are a lifesaver. So when I, you know, um, became a part of the online communities, and a friend and I created the online group, Pick Sebi, because Sebi picks you. It was just a way for me to use my cat to, you know, write affirmations and tell people, you know, hey, you are amazing and don't let anybody tell you uh, that you aren't worthy. Things that I wish that people were saying to me and things that it took me a long time to believe. And I started noticing people would always, frequently write things like, oh my God, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. Oh, you are the, me- you know, you are the message that I was waiting for, or you are the, this is the message from the universe that I was waiting for. And I realized that people really need to hear that more because there are so many voices telling us, including our own, that we aren't valuable. So I really needed to, you know, detach those voices from myself. And that is how I, began to redefine success for myself. And and, and a little bit more about the community was that really helped me as well, was that it is a a really inclusive space, which drew a lot of people with chronic illnesses. And it gave me a purpose. And I'm not saying it is something really important. I, I don't want people with disabilities to ever think that they need to be an inspiration for anybody Mm -hmm. else because we don't. We don't need to be an inspiration for anybody else. We just need to be, that's all. We just need to, you know, we deserve to exist just because we exist. Um, But it did help to have that purpose where I felt like, okay, if I, you know, if today I've made one person smile or one of these people feel better, I did feel better. And it did help me feel like, okay, this, maybe this is what success can be. This is what my success is. And that really was my probably, a defining moment for me in realizing this is a new way to look at success maybe not you know medicine in in, in that in that whole construct but this new construct of, of success
1: and that's not an easy task by any means and it takes time and process you know and obviously for me as like a therapist and some and lots of support from the right people it is so hard to redefine that for yourself. It really is. It, it it takes so much. And to pull away from what society has put on us. And I love what you said. I mean, it really is about who you are as a person and not what you are producing or the job you have or the car you drive or the amount of money you have. It really shouldn't be about that in life. But sadly, that is what we have been thrown at, but when you become chronically ill, a lot of that stuff becomes stripped away and you are left with you. And sometimes that's really scary. I mean, it is really scary period because you are, and then plus you're sick. So you are left at home alone with your thoughts. Like all you do is think because you are home in pain. And when you're in pain, you're in bed going, Oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? Look at my life passing me by. I'm watching my life just zoom past, you know, you wake up and then five years have passed. And you're like, what, what? Like, you know, I've been sick for five years and you know, for a while, I think I went through the stages. uh, I think grief for me took a long time. I mean, it took a long time. I don't like to get angry very often. And so it took me a long time to reach that anger stage, you know, and then I was just mad and it took me getting over that anger to kind of get to where I needed to be. But it, the sadness stage is kind of where I sat for a while you know and two i think reaching out to people that have other illnesses you know at first it was like a double edged sword but you know because i saw people worse off and i thought oh my gosh why am i complaining you know look at you know but then what i learned was instead of looking at it like that to look at it going everybody has these challenges a lot of people have challenges like this in their lives and look at what, how they are managing it. Like, how can I, if I feel like, you know, hey, I really like the way they're managing, like hearing you speak, I think if I, you know, I would have gravitated towards that because I would have been like, okay, like, I mean, we don't all have to be positive 24 seven, but I'm saying the way you're thinking about you just have to be who you are and get through the day and you can be proud of that and sit with that. And that's not easy to do, but I think I would have gravitated automatically to you. Cause I would have been like, oh, okay. Like that's a really nice thought. And actually I believe it, but I have to really believe it. Yeah. That's, that's the key. But I love, I love that. And I know, like I said before, there's a lot of outside influences in our lives and that's really can add a lot of either <laughs> encouragement or the op- opposite. So how do you deal with managing the influences, you know, such as family, friends, or even like your own inner voice? Like, how do you manage those things? So
0: I have like two strategies, one for everybody else and one for myself. So the strategy that I have for other people, so mostly it is for them at the moment, the best example of this would be because this is something I've struggled with a lot. My father, you know, he is like in his 70s. And I think He was the person that was the most hurt by you know watching me struggle with this. Not only did he have to watch like you know his child suffer with an illness, but he also had to watch a dream, you know, um collapse in front of his eyes, where you know he has to not only see me be sick, but he also has to see me be dependent on other people in his that's that's his thinking you know dependent dependent on other people and not be successful in his and I say this with like air quotes imagine air quotes successful in his version of success so he has this tendency to like reminisce and bring up a lot of times like oh you know what I should have been doing or what I would have been doing if if not for this or that and And I realize what works is boundaries and it can, it can even, it can come across sometimes as cruel or selfish, but honestly, Melissa, you and I know this, we have been given so few spoons in a day. We have to use them so wisely that we cannot, we just cannot afford to have them, you know, spent on things like trying to tell people, Hey, I can you know kept trying to assert our boundaries over the same things over and over again so I have put this boundary very clearly for people and, and my friends know this and they've known it for a very long time there are certain things not to talk about with me or ask me about so they don't and they haven't for years now mm-hmm. My father, because you know he's older and he's my dad, and I love him, so it's it's not as easy. So with him, it's it's a little different. Where I do have to keep reminding him, but I will I will say to him, I'm like, Dad, I am not comfortable talking about this. This is you know, emo. This brings up things that I am uncomfortable with emotionally. So I would rather we not talk about this. Or sometimes, if I can, I will get up and walk away because you do have to be selfish because I have to think, okay. Is this worth the amount of spoons this will take me from to use to recover from Mm. the drainage, the emotional drainage that it will? You know, because it is very draining to try and recover from an emotional attack like that when people are coming at you with that. So sometimes I will get up and walk away, and sometimes I will go into my happy place and let him talk for a little bit. And I'll go into my happy place and zone out. And he will think that I'm listening. But for most other people, I am very, very strong and strict about my boundaries. And they know that there are certain things I, you know, you don't ask me and you don't talk to me about. And I am usually very open about like my struggles with chronic pain, chronic illness. So I don't have that many, you know, boundaries in terms of asking me about those things, because I like, spreading and sharing awareness but in terms of things like okay you know oh why don't you try this career or that career those things are a no for me because then they're basically saying that what i'm doing is not enough Mm -hmm. or what or or that i'm not valuable as i am right now so you do have to be like selfish and uh have really strong boundaries now as for my inner voice it's slightly different i do use self-affirmations as simplistic as they sound Repetitions repetitions, our brain is, you know, are, is, is very simple with repetitions. If you repeat something enough number of times, you will eventually believe it. It is, I know it sounds a little simplistic and it doesn't work all the time, but I do repeat to myself a lot of times things like, you know, you're, you, you're valuable, you're important, you know, you're successful, you're fine as you are. So I will do these self-affirmations to myself. My partner will sometimes remind me to like, write things down uh, in, in a notepad or on a piece of paper, things that I like about myself. And he'll tell me, you know, read it once a day to remind me if he sees that I'm getting down in the dumps or if I'm getting really low. And how this works is essentially that, you know, you're, you are using logic to overpower your limbic system, which is you know, the center of the brain that's involved with emotional and behavioral responses. So there is actually a reasoning behind how this works. So I use that kind of repetition where every time I feel my inner critic taking over, I will try and flood it with repetitions of the absolute opposite or use logic. So I will be like, okay, remember when you did blah, 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 see how that helped this person or that person you know so i will just use that as a as a way to counter the inner critic and say no you can't tell me that i am you know worthless or you know not valuable i have done things to be proud of and i remind myself because you have to otherwise you will give in to that you know feeling of worthlessness and mm-hmm. you can't let that happen yeah it's different for everyone but that is that has been my process and it has I think it has worked I would recommend that if you know um, you have access to a therapist that is always really good Um, I, I think that I would have probably benefited I think it would have taken off a couple of years from my process if I had seen a therapist I think I just tried to do everything myself so it probably took twice as long You got there.
1: That's all that matters. And yeah, it really does. Mindfulness. And what I tended to do, especially in the beginning is, you know, I kept that story in my head, the same thing again and again and again and again. And I just told myself, you're such a burden. You uh, you're just not strong enough. You are, you should be able to defeat the pain and get back to life and it's all your faults. And if you were just stronger of a person and what I can say today is that just being here means I'm a strong person and you just being here means you're a strong person because what we're dealing with is not normal. So, you know, and everybody's is different, but you should be proud you're breathing and
0: you're here. That's huge all on its own. And I think we forget it. We really do because, you know, it's different. It looks different. You know, success and progress look different for everybody else. For one person, it could be that they got up and they walked from one end of the room to the other, and that was progress for them. And they should be proud of that, you know? Um, so you should just be happy and proud of your, of the progress and the success that you've had with what it is without having to compare it to what you think that you should have had. Yeah. So instead of trying to think that, oh, I should have done this or that by now, because if I think of that, you know, I would fall into (laughs) absolute inconsolability. Because I would have been in, in, my, in my residency, I would be finishing up my residency by now. I don't let myself go there. I honestly don't. Sometimes my brain wants to, but then I'm, I just flood it with like all these thoughts in the complete opposite direction because, you know, it's just, we're all different people and we all take different things to grow and it just sounds it sounds cheesy, but we're like, you know, different flowers that need different care and different things to grow. And, and you know, and the day that we decide that we're good enough is the day that we set ourselves free. So we oh, and that's, that's good. It's easy to say, but it is yeah. it is a very hard thing to really accept and believe. And that's really the struggle.
1: And it is, I think it's a struggle for every single person to finally have that self-acceptance. But what makes the chronically ill different is that we have a bunch of other hurdles to climb that make living a normal, quote unquote, normal life, very difficult. And then we have the judgments and stereotypes on top of it that compound it. And to shut that out takes time. and some skill and some self-confidence in yourself going. It took me a long time to be okay in my own skin to say, this is what I'm going through. My pain is real. The, what I'm dealing with is happening. And now what do I do? Kind of like, okay, this is, this is the way my reality is. I'm not saying it's going to be this way forever. I don't know what the future holds, but for now, this is what I'm capable of. What can I do with it? And you're right. Purpose was so big for me and finally kind of coming out of the hole of grief that that really helped having a, a purpose and that can be anything from small purpose to large purpose oh, You need to, yeah whatever means something to you that makes you feel good that you're capable of doing that isn't like you know such a huge deal that you're gonna you know but there's small things
0: if it's making art You know, if it's writing, art, or if it's just anything that makes you feel a little bit better and gives you a sense of, you know, hey, this is giving me a reason to get up today. That is, that's your purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really have to be something because, you know, I, I hate that the world thinks that we as people with disabilities owe them a story where we have to have some great comeback story. Where you know, oh look at this person that you know had because in, in initially my my partner I remember he even showed me this video of this 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 um, athlete or somebody that this is a very long time ago we first started dating um, who, who lost his legs some in, in an accident and or, or or something and he went on to become you know uh, a motivational speaker and and all these great things and you know, and I, and I remember thinking, I'm like, but that's not what most of us do. That's like a story of like one in a gazillion, like, you know, most of us just want to be able to wake up and be able to go go to the bathroom. You know, I've had days where I couldn't make it to the bathroom in time because I was in too much pain. So I would just like, you know, to have days where that doesn't happen. So, you know, where we really don't want to be inspirations, but we the purpose, you know, the whole, the whole purpose of the purpose is for ourselves and not for anybody else, is just yes. to give ourselves a sense of belonging and a feeling that we are putting something out there that is, you know, larger than us, and, but that's just for us, it's for nobody else. Sadly, this is all the time we have
1: for today. Please stay tuned next week as Sama shares even more about redefining success, as well as we dive into her thoughts on the medical profession today from her truly unique juxtaposition of graduating medical school and then becoming a chronic illness patient. Sama, I so appreciate your time today and all these little pearls of wisdom. I feel like knitting some of these sayings on a pillow. As always, thanks to my listeners for tuning in. And remember, you are not alone and you are not your pain. Like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. Or do you want to be a guest? Simply email notmypain at heroescircle.org. Again, that is not my pain at heroes, H E R O S circle.org. Your story matters, and we look forward to hearing from you.
0: Hi, this is Keith. I am a martial arts therapist at the Hero Circle, a global healing and wellness initiative inspired by the children of kids kicking cancer. Would you like to discover the power of your breath while fueling the purpose of thousands of sick children across the globe? Simply check out our free adult meditation catalog at herocircle.org forward slash meditations. To learn more about our program and our inspirational little heroes, visit our website at HeroCircle.org. From all of us at the Hero Circle, we wish you a wonderful day. Power, peace, purpose.